Welcome back, everyone, to episode 24 of Show and Tell. This is just my small adventure to highlight the creators and contributors to the Magic community. Uh, today, I'm super excited to be joined by streamer, cosplayer, uh, model, bird of paradise, uh, and self-proclaimed bulk goblin, uh, Nexi. Nexi, thank you uh, so much for joining Hi. me today. Hello. Oh gosh! Um, I'm here. You're here. We're 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 doing the thing. I've been a little logging on my end of doing uh, episodes, but I'm 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 so happy to sit down with you. Um, and it's wild, you know. Kind of before we started, we were talking about a little bit about MTG Vegas. But I actually I think met you in person for the first time at the previous Vegas, the Magic Thirty. Yeah, you were with. Um, Emma, I think you guys were kind of hanging out. Yeah. And it was just one of those, like, hey, I kind of know you from Twitter were introduction I, things. I remember the little uh, Fibblethip pin that you gave me, and I put it on my lanyard. That's right. And I actually, I don't know if I told you about this. I had a really funny story with it where, because uh, I was at Magic 30, mm -hmm. um, there was a woman who was walking around with a Fibblethip statue. Yeah. And I pointed at her and I was like, oh, my God, like, I have a Fibblethip pin. And she was like, oh, well, here you go. And she gave me the Fibblethip secret layer. That is all because of that pin, which was the I forget what it was called, but it was where you put like all the cards together. And it's like a Where's Waldo of Fibblethip. Oh, yeah. Those were um, it's like a pan. I don't know if it's like a panorama photo or like whatever. But yeah, I, I do remember yeah. those cards, the uh, whatever it was called. But that's super cool. Yeah, you did tell me that. I remember being super excited. I'm like, oh, that's awesome. Like. <laughs> Fibblethip was the coolest, and like the fact it that you got really a free cool. secret lair out of it, like was was amazing. Yeah, <laughs> so I was like totally blown away. That was the first secret lair I ever got. Oh really? Yeah. Oh wow. <laughs> Gosh, I man, I remember when they first announced secret lairs. I was like, okay, like whatever. Like I think I bought like the first three, not really thinking, and then it just kind of was one of those things. Like, oh, they're gonna do one of these every week, every two weeks. So I kind of like stuck because I'm a big collector. I just like to collect. Yeah, like, like collecting cards and like the all arts and stuff are pretty cool, but it kind of was like, oh yeah, this is not this is not sustainable for for me and my wallet after the first like. Six. There's so much. Yeah. <laughs> There's so much, and now that they do like the giant drops, where it's like, here's like one grand worth of product, both foil and non foil for you. Yeah, and it's just like, oh, oh I can't do this. <laughs> yeah, it gets it gets rough and. It's hard because, yeah, and cause sometimes the arts are so cool and you're just like, oh, man, like it'd be kind of cool to have like, I think I bought like the Rebecca Gway, uh, one of her <sighs> secret layers. And yeah. they just announced the um, 14th, 15th Doctor, like the, the Doctor Who secret layer is going to have the two new yeah. Doctors. And so I'm like, oh, well, I'm definitely going definitely to buy that one because I'm a big Doctor Who fan. Mm -hmm. So it's just, that's how they get you. <laughs> Seriously. So... Uh, but anyways, I kind of bopping around. Um, so I always kind of joke around. Uh, I like to start at the beginning. So why don't you talk to me about uh, your start at Magic? When did you start playing and what, what kind of got you into the game? So I started playing Magic back at the end of 2018. Okay. I was a streamer for a couple years on Twitch and I went to TwitchCon 2018, which was in, I think it was in San Jose. Oh. Um, the TwitchCon had these swag bags and they had the... Uh, M19 welcome decks in them. I had oh, never wow. heard of magic. I had never seen it. Like I even still on like I have this shelf that has all of these like boxes from like pre-releases and stuff. Yeah. Just behind this poster, I still have the boxes from those welcome decks. Oh, that's awesome. Um I I never got rid of them. Um but I opened it up and the first card that I saw, it this was a um 
I think it was like a, a an Orzov deck. I can't remember. Um, but the first card that I saw was Grave Waker. And okay. I know that's just like a random rare from M19, but I fell in love with the artwork. That blue like bird going across the art. I was just like, this is stunning. How do I play this? Yeah. <laughs> so I, uh, a ton of my friends who I was with at that event, like they gave me their welcome decks. And so I just started like collecting these cards. And then um, I was talking to one of my cousins and she taught me how to play magic and then suddenly I was just like looking up, where do I go to play magic? <laughs> Didn't know anything. Yeah. I found a store back in the town that I used to live in, which unfortunately now has since shut down. But um, I found a store and I started drafting. Oh, wow. Draft was my very first thing that I was like, this is what we're doing. Yep. Um. I remember my pack one pick one because we were drafting Guilds of Ravnica. Okay. Um, it was an assassin trophy. Ooh. And I still have it in a hard case. I wish I had it prepared like on my desk, <laughs> but it that was my very first pack one pick one was an assassin's trophy. And it was amazing. It's a good card. So Yeah, really, really good. I actually run, uh, I run a copy of it in my Gris deck. I love it so much. And like, I have been a Golgari fan like ever since and yeah. black is like my favorite color. Green is like a great supplementary color. Like, but yeah, I, I was a drafter for years and then, uh, actually a couple months after I got into magic at the time I was on this podcast, um, okay. that's called video game bang. It's still running. They are considered the number one gaming and geek culture podcast in Northern California. Uh, <laughs> hey, that's not nothing. Uh, yeah. Um, so I was a co-host on there for for about a year, um, and the main host Corey Vincent he um, was like, "Hey, I have a ton of magic cards that like belong to one of my old friends, and he's never gonna pick these up. Do you want them?" And I was just like, "Hell yeah! Like <laughs> this is awesome!" Yeah. So my my collection went from the size of one of those like. They had like a M19 like welcome bundle. Yeah. I, I I think is what it was. And it had like one of the pullout lids instead of like the top. Like, I don't know how to describe it. Yeah. Um, But it had like a little booklet to teach you how to play magic and packs and things like that. Uh, it was very different from like bundles that we see today or like bundles of old. But um, so I had one of those and that was like all my cards could fit in that. Mm -hmm. And then suddenly all of my cards fit into a four row <laughs> and i was like oh my god like i have so many cards i have such a huge collection and now like five years later i have an entire room you see like this all behind me boxes i have i have close to i have an estimated two hundred thousand cards in my collection yeah, that's um two hundred thousand that's a lot that's of cards lot. yeah that's a lot of cards it's a lot of cards. And I, I need to cut down on that because a lot of it is just duplicates and being a limited player through all these years and just opening boxes and people giving them to me at events. And I opened a P.O. box because people just wanted to mail me bulk. <laughs> so <laughs> like that's funny that that has been my history and development of like playing magic. My start was just getting a little welcome pack seeing the art falling in love with it and here i am <laughs> here you are 
five years later. Yeah, it's funny seriously. how many people, I think, see the art in Magic and that's like what prompts them to want to start playing. Yeah. Because uh, it's, I mean, there are a lot of like fantastic art pieces in, in the game. It's, it's, it's pretty wild how, um, and, you know, how much great art actually gets produced because of Magic. I think I actually saw a statistic once that 80 per, it's don't quote me, but I think like 80% of all fantasy art pieces produced in the world are for magic. Like that's really, yeah, it's, it's a wild number that because of, you know, wow. how many cards it's probably higher now with how much, how many cards they pump out a year, but um, <laughs> Seriously. just the amount of card art that gets um, commissioned by a magic, or like they corner that fantasy uh, art market. But uh, yeah, you know, and that's, it takes all types, right? Like some people get into card games because of gameplay styles, but like if the art, I mean, I know there's card game, you know, we were kind of talking about, um, Star Wars card games before we started, and there have been certain Star Wars card games that, as someone who's a big Star Wars fan, don't quite scratch scratch the right itch because the art isn't quite isn't quite there. Probably because I've been spoiled yeah. because of Magic. I think like there uh, another TCG that like people have tried getting me into, but I could not do it for the art and also. For certain aspects of gameplay, Yu-Gi-Oh! is one that oh. just never could do it for me. Yeah. I didn't like the artwork. And it wasn't even necessarily just the art, but I hated the borders of the cards. Yeah, no, that's... And it's like, it's like, the text is worse than what we experienced in Strixhaven. Like, yeah. It was so yeah. much. The arbitrary numbers, why are we dealing with thousands? Like, <laughs> it's just, yeah. magic was just, like, perfect. Yes. Yeah, it's a... Uh... Not that there's anything wrong with people into Yu-Gi-Oh, but I, you know, you look at some no, of those no. cards. <laughs> you look at some of those cards, and it's just like I don't, you know, it's literally like paragraphs, you know, paragraphs of text, and yeah, it's wild. It's just it, wild it, time. it just felt very convoluted, you yeah. know. And like, if people want to do that, and like, I like playing very convoluted Magic decks. Like, yeah. I like when there's just a lot of things that I have to keep track of and figure out how to do it. But I think that when it's just one card yeah. that I have to keep track of for like all of that stuff, and it's like you can put these cards together, and then it does this, and it's just what? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. So yeah. Um, oh, that's cool. Okay, so a lot of interesting things here. So talk to me about before you play Magic. You said you were a streamer. Like, what were you streaming before uh, before Magic stuff? Um, I was a variety streamer for a couple years. I started streaming. I think it was in like the end of 2017 okay. i yeah because I, I just celebrated my six-year anniversary it was the end of 2017 um i did a lot of like nintendo games like okay. i yeah. would do run-throughs of like zelda games mario games whatever and then suddenly there was this big shift of me turning into like a dead by daylight streamer oh, okay which is like the, one of the most toxic things that you could become <laughs> Um, which is funny also as someone who has never watched a classic horror movie or anything like that, like I fell in love with that game mm -hmm. and I had like hundreds of hours in it. Um, and so I was streaming that and I was like pretty decent at it. And then suddenly there was another huge shift of going into like magic content, mm -hmm. which was mainly arena. Yeah. So, yeah, you know, and I think, um, <clears throat> I'm not a streamer. I tried streaming during the lockdowns and it was not for me. It's, it's, uh, mm -hmm. I did. And I tried to do like quirky things. I think I was 
I had an exercise bike and I was streaming while I was riding an exercise bike. Like that was my <laughs> thing to try to like stay somewhat active while being locked down. Uh, but fair enough. You know, I, I'm always anyone who can stream. Like it's more props to you. That's it is a difficult, difficult thing. Like it's exhausting. Yeah, it's socially very exhausting. The I think the socially and like the mental load it takes to maintain a like a stream channel, right? Because you're not only you're playing the game, yeah. you have to watch chat, you have to like interact with chat, right? It's not just Mm-hmm. Oh, like you just you know you. I mean, you could sit there and not say anything, but like typically, the more I think more successful stream channels are ones where like you have a you have a dialogue with your chat and you're kind of like yeah. going back and forth. Uh, and I think a lot of you know part of the at least from seeing some of the streamers I follow, I've seen like part of like becoming a successful streamer is pivoting to what's working, right? You know, if you're if you want to force like I'm just going to play Mario games the whole time and no one's watching you. Like cool, but like you know, you kind of got to go what's where where the market is a little bit, right? And yeah, that's kind of part of the you know I think part of the uh, and it's nice when you can find a, a niche where like yeah, this is this is great. I'm playing Magic, I'm having fun, and like this is what I want to be. But yeah, the streaming thing like that's uh, that's, that's I'm always like more props to you. Like I could not do it and have no interest in. It's wild. It's it is so much to to try to do. I feel like a lot of people want to try to make fun of streamers being like, Oh, it's whatever. Like it's not that hard or anything. And like, I don't know, as someone who is very like neurodivergent and very like socially, like I'm, I'm a very introverted and anxious, Mm -hmm. awkward person. I've kind of blossomed out of that in recent years, but, um, it's a very difficult thing. And even aside from that, having to, pay attention to that like market what do people want to see pay attention to trends and having to do an entire setup that's like this big cinematic thing like having multiple monitors major lighting like all of these cameras like everything there's so much work that goes into it that people just kind of blow off yeah but but it's rough it is it is kind of a rough thing to do um and I think that's why a lot more people are are definitely going into more like short form content, yeah, um, as opposed to doing live content now. Yeah, short form is definitely you know, and that's and again that's part of part of the uh, the role job of being a successful creator. It's right mm-hmm. is seeing trends. Like short form is like the big thing right now between um, YouTube Shorts. Obviously, TikTok has been really big. Yeah. It's kind of like bites. reels. Yeah, re- reels exactly. So being able to like capture what's what's trending because like that's you know if you want to be there's a lot of like back end stuff. I don't think people realize that, that go on with like successful streamers. It's not just you sit in front yeah. of your camera, you push record, and you, and you play a game. There's yeah. You know, there's probably you know a lot of people. There's a ton of editing that goes into uh, after the fact. Like a lot of people turn their streams into YouTube videos. And there's like um, you know two of my. Uh, streams that I follow a lot are uh, the one Jame and uh, Amazonian, right? And yeah. and they take all their streams, you know, on Twitch, end up going on YouTube. But there's like a lot more post production work that goes in just after the stream ends. Uh, a- Amazonian, I not, they don't know her, but you know, she'll does uh, her, a, a series called Brawlstones where she sits and she's taking notes on everything so she can turn it into like well produced YouTube content, which is like you know that's yeah. that's a lot, you know. It, it is there's there's so much that goes into it again that like uh, people people only like think that it's 
everything that they see on the surface. It's just the you push a button, you're good. You push the button, you're off. That's it. Yep. But it, it's like, and people people get their livelihoods from this stuff. I mean, I personally am also a full time content creator, so like this is, it, it, it's everything. You know. Yep. Um, there's so much that has to go into it to, in order to make it a sustainable thing, which, um, is such a, such a like difficult thing to do. I, okay. This stat might be a couple years old. I, I don't know what it is currently, but I do remember speaking of like sustainability, mm. especially in the Twitch realm or just live, live streaming in general. Yeah. Um, there was a statistic that was talking about average viewership on Twitch. Mm -hmm. Like if you were to take a guess, how, what do you think the average viewership of all of Twitch is? I know like, it's, it's like low, isn't it like, like one or two people a stream or something like that? It's, it's literally one. Yeah. It is one because yeah. there's so many people that are either streaming to only one or to none. Yeah. And you do have like all of those big streamers, but it's not enough to, to offset that. And I actually think that it's gotten worse, uh, when, you know, the, the market became so oversaturated post like lockdown, yeah. you know, or like during the lockdown when, Everyone was just like, I guess this is kind of what I am doing now. Yeah. Um, so yeah, it's it's really sad. But there's a comic that goes around every now and again. It's like someone's like going on my stream. Like, all right, everybody, it was a good stream. Like, thanks for coming by. And they turn it off, and it's just like zero viewers. And it's like these, oh. you know. And it's you know, it's and for a lot of people, that's like that's kind of what streaming is. It, you know, is you stream, and that's you know, starting out, you stream to nobody. Right. And you have to like, yeah. a lot of it's, there is, I mean, there is a, there is a little bit of luck to it. Right. But a lot of it's, it's putting in the work is having consistent hours and, um, finding the right, you know, uh, hashtags or the right games or, or whatever. So it's, it's, um, it's a lot of work. People, Marketing yourself yeah. on other like socials and things like, yeah. Yeah. And it's way more than just like, here's my going live link. Yeah. And that, that is a place where a lot of people unfortunately mess up yeah. in their marketing. It's just like, Hey, I'm going live and that's it. Yeah. But like, no, no other tweets, just radio silence for any other aspect of their life. And like, it's, they're so, it, it's like you become a performer for every, and this is just true to social media in general. You become a performer no matter what like it 24 7 if you're posting on social media like everything in your life becomes performative yeah yep it's tough so. it's a lot of work it's a lot of work so um just something to keep in mind when you when you see you see people out there and they're they're trying and it's like oh like they just hit their buttons like no 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 there's there's a lot going on behind the scenes there so uh some people do just do that but yeah you know <laughs> for the most part like there's a lot to it yep uh, you know, you'd also mentioned you were on a video game podcast. What was, uh, mm -hmm. what was that about? Or what was that podcast? Or what, what was that podcast? <laughs> <laughs> so video game bang was a, uh, just general like geek and nerd culture podcast. Um, so we would record, um, if I remember right, cause I, I haven't been on in like four years, yeah. but they are still running. Um, we would do it like every Friday night, uh, we would go to like, Corey Vincent's house who for those who don't know uh Corey Vincent he is currently um oh I don't know what his current position is but he uh works for NRG oh, um wow. which is that big esports company yeah um so he works for them um uh and 
so basically we would just report weekly on on gaming news like it was anything in the realm of like games that are coming out um uh even just like movies coming out i remember at the time i was on one of the episodes and uh three of the other hosts were talking about like uh, I believe it was Infinity War came out. Okay. And yeah. I'm not a Marvel person. And so I was just sitting there and I'm just like, uh-huh, can we go to the next topic so I know what to talk about? Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, we would we would just report on on um, anything that was happening geek culture-wise. Yeah. Um, so video games, movies, comics, um, uh, yeah, anything anything like that. Even sometimes in the realm of music which is very interesting. Okay. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Well, that's pretty cool. I mean, it sounds pretty fun as someone who, um, what do my friends call me? My friends like to call me the Mario of nerd stuff because I know a little <laughs> bit about a lot of things, but not like, you know, it's, it's a broad, broad strokes there, but, uh, mm. sounds cool. Yeah. That sounds like a pretty fun, uh, pretty fun time. I mean, podcast at any time you can, you can find a topic you're interested in and kind of get together with friends is probably a good time. Yeah, it it was really really cool. It was such an awesome experience and it like it it got me out there like socially more yeah. and I felt like I was way more in tune with like learning how uh like geek news kinds of kind of works. Yeah. Um cuz I would have to like I would have to be one of the people that like goes online and figures out, all right, what's what's going on right now and then like write show notes and things like that. Like seeing the production side of it yeah. is is really cool and it gave me a lot of experience that i'm super thankful for very cool okay yeah. uh let me let me uh turn this ship back to magic a little bit since i've <laughs> kind of i've i've altered course a little bit so um <laughs> i've got i've just got a lot to share so yeah <laughs> no that's great i no, i it's, it's uh super interesting yeah i had no idea about that you had so much uh video game and streaming background which is super cool mm-hmm. um so you start playing magic you start drafting so what was like draft like what was your drafting experience as a new player like what were you like this is did you like enjoy it or did you uh, find it difficult especially like when you discovered like constructed versus like limited formats like what was like that experience like for you when you kind of started playing i think like i got super lucky at like what point in magic i got into drafting mm-hmm. um so it was not too long before the release of Ravnica Allegiance, which okay. is my favorite set of all time. Like, I, I'm really stoked that we're going back to Ravnica at the beginning of the year. Yeah. Um, and so I I feel like I got so lucky because it taught me so many, like, um, fundamentals of, like, deck building with multiple colors. Uh-huh. And finding those, like, overarching themes and archetypes and everything. Um, so drafting for me was, I th- I think it was, like, a little bit of a learning curve. I mean, I, maybe not a learning curve because I didn't really have anything to compare it to. <laughs> yeah. You know, there was no other, like, magic <laughs> magic history to compare it to or other TCGs. Yeah. Um, so I do remember... Uh, there was one YouTube video that I watched, which was actually from uh, <laughs> Tolarian Community College. It was the professor talking of about course. how to draft. And yeah. I just remembered bread like that. That acronym like just drilled into my brain. Um, and then, of course, I would sit down at the table and I would just forget everything except for bombs. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> so, 
but I, I actually did pretty good. It was, it was pretty decent. I had an amazing, um, LGS that was very, very friendly and willing to teach me how to do things. Like they, they would take a little bit extra time knowing that I was a new player. They would take extra time during the draft portion to be able to help me if I needed, uh, understanding like keywords or anything like that. Um, so it was, it was amazing. And then actually getting to play, like build the deck and play, it felt very natural. Uh Um, so I, I had a great time with it. Um, again, I just felt super lucky because of the set that I entered in, Yeah, you know, with guilds of Ravnica and Ravnica allegiance. Like I, I, there, there couldn't have been anything that would have gone wrong in that. Like I could put any colors together and it would have worked. Yeah, that's yeah. Um, that's interesting because that might actually be one of the best sets to jump into as a new player, especially in a drafting environment, because of how yeah. naturally the the color pairings kind of work out. Um, exactly. You know, it's two colors, which is easy to manage. It's they. So as someone who the original Radicalica set was one of my favorite sets, um, seeing them coalesce like you know the color pairs into guilds was a very ingenious way of like kind of developing mechanics and kind of enshrining mechanics uh, relative to color pairs. So, um, mm-hmm. yeah, that's pretty cool. Yeah. That's actually, a, that's, that's actually a very good, you know, I think you did probably get really lucky in that time frame for you just to, like, yeah, this is kind of like how magic has always kind of worked, but now you have like the associations like, Oh, like I'm a big Rakdos player. Or I'm a big Simic player. And you know, those, those uh, themes have carried over probably for a, probably really magic's, not beginnings, but like a big chunk of like what Magic was always trying to be as a as a game. Um, mm-hmm. I had to laugh when you said Brett because anytime I so I don't I'm not a draft I'm not a limited player, but I always joke with some people who are big limited players on my show. Like I know Brett, Brett's my go-to, <laughs> but I always get so I always I think I get stuck after the E because it's bombs. Oh, I don't even remember. Or hang on, uh, Remo- uh, removal, removal, evasion. I think it's E. Uh, what's the A and the D though? don't remember i don't the only words that come to my mind which i know are probably not correct are like aggro and defense but i should we look it up do we look up bread yeah look (laughs) i because i always joke i get to the e this is why i'm really bad and limited because i never know what the (laughs) the last two the last two letters are uh Uh, i figure when in doubt just draft flyers because that's you know uh bombs removal evasion aggro and duds duds so I tend to stick to the D portion when I draft. That makes sense. <laughs> Duds. I, I t- like I said, I only remembered B. I typically draft some very, very chunky <laughs> characters, yeah. some pretty chunky cards. So I'm not even, I don't even think bread is like the go-to acronym anymore. I was talking with no. someone and like, that's, you know, that's something to, to use. I'm like, I can tell you're being very nice <laughs> to me right now. So, uh, that's funny. I just wing it now. Yeah, you know. And I, I'm over here, like, having people yell at me because I only run, like, 15 lands in my draft decks. And <laughs> they will scream at me, and I'm like, it's fine. It's fine. It'll work itself out. I'll win, yeah. maybe, sometimes. What if I just build a 60 card in draft? It's okay. <laughs> if you have, I have done that. less land, it just means you can draw more of your bombs. Exactly. It's just, it's just <laughs> you math. might not be able to play them, but you'll have them ready. Yes, <laughs> uh, that's funny. Uh, so, limited player, do you play any constructed formats at all? Do you play like any commander or any like standard or pop, uh, whatever else? I is? 
I've been getting into Commander over the past year. Mm. Funny enough, uh, going back to the conversation about Magic 30, that was actually the very first time I ever played Commander. Um, really? I had never oh. touched Commander before that in all of my time. Like, I've been purely a limited player um, in paper. Uh-huh. Um, I, like I said, I, I got super into Arena. I was streaming Arena a lot, mm-hmm. and my main format was Historic. Yeah. Um, specifically, because I'm about to get a little little mad, uh, <laughs> specifically Historic pre-Alchemy. Uh, um, yes, I am not a... Rest in peace, my Rakdos Aristocrats deck. Cauldron Familiar, you will be missed. Oh, yes. Oh, God, <laughs> yes, I... I remember that deck. That poor, that poor boy. Mm-hmm. I almost made it to Mythic, and then the next season they changed it with like they they messed with uh, Calder Familiar, and I was just like, I am never gonna be able to run this deck again. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah. but yeah, so Commander, I've like just gotten into within the past year. Um, funny enough, uh, the very first Commander game I played was with. Um, a guy who would eventually turn out to become my boyfriend, oh, um, okay. who I'm moving to LA with. So oh, there you go. Well, that's huge. Um, that's a <laughs> what is that? It's a magic meat cute. Is that what it's called? Like uh, yeah, apparently. There we go. That's a. Well, that's awesome. <laughs> um, it was it was a very funny experience because he was um, he he works for Command Zone, and okay. so he. Um, he he had this big bag of goodies that had like command zone pins and game night pins, whatever. And he's like, Oh, are you a fan of the show? Like, and I just stood there and I'm like, I've never heard of command zone before. That probably blew his I, mind to be honest. Like that's, I uh... had never heard of command zone in my, like at the time, four years of playing magic. Yeah. <laughs> so, uh, but but he's definitely been a big help getting me more into um, Commander. Uh, I Again, I played a lot of Historic, so yeah. that was like my main constructed format. And then uh, I've been wanting to get into uh, Popper. A lot of people have been harping on me because of all of my bulk. Yeah, no. <laughs> get into Popper, build like a Popper cube. And I'm like, I don't know anything about cube. <laughs> like... <laughs> Okay, so here's okay. So two things. One, Popper is awesome. I have a bunch of Popper decks. I love playing Popper. Um, if you want, if my buddy has a Popper cube already, I, if you want, I'll ask him if he has a list. Because usually, if I again, I barely know what a cube is, so I'm just winging this right yeah. now. But I think <laughs> typically a lot of you know, if you've never built a cube, sometimes having one to work off of, I will see if he has a list for you. Um, he seems like he would to give you maybe an idea of like where to start out. I feel like that's usually an easy yeah. way to build a cube. Um, yeah. But uh, yeah, that's funny. I actually was supposed to draft it with him last weekend and I was, something came up uh, and I couldn't <laughs> go, but uh, he was like, I have a popper cube. Mm. I'm like a popper cube. Yeah, that's awesome. But popper is really cool. Um, yeah. Popper is really fun because, you know, a lot of times you can kind of take out a lot of like high powered cards from a format. And I don't want to say there aren't like powerful strategies, but you know, when you're only playing with commons, like it's a different, it's a different kind of different kind of world, right? Yeah. So, um, let me just get into Popper Commander, and I'll just run Ornithopter as my commander. I think <laughs> so. I think there is a version. What's it called? I think it's called Artisan. I think um, who talks about it a lot? Who's a really big promoter? I think Kess Wiley talks about it a lot. Where it's mm. a you run a uncommon legend because I don't think there are any common legend creatures. So your only uncommon mm-hmm. is your commander, and then everything else is common. Um, 
your deck is common cards, which I actually think sounds yeah. super cool as well. Which you know that does sound super cool. Yeah, yet another deck to build. That's the problem with Magic. It's like <laughs> I have like three or four decks just on my desk in addition to like a <laughs> stack of decks ready, you know, to work on. But um, Popper, Popper, the format itself is really cool. Um, mm-hmm. So if you're if you're interested in you know someone who Joey probably has a bunch of pop common cards, which we'll probably talk about pretty in a moment here, but it's definitely worth <laughs> definitely worth checking out. Yeah. Yeah. Um. So. Gosh, yeah, it's it's funny because like you with how popular like Commander is, it's to hear someone who's like, oh, I never played Commander until like a year ago, and you know, having been played Magic for a while and kind of being in the creator space, like I don't know who Game Nights is, like that's actually, I'm actually <laughs> almost a, a little astonished. Like it's it's like impressive. Like it's like wow, that's awesome to hear. Like you know, it's funny to, you, it's really to get easy to get caught up in like, well, everyone plays Commander and everyone play, you know, but like no, there's there are players out there who are still just. They're just drafting and playing limited and all that kind of you know that kind of world. So I'm I'm true to my roots. Yeah, like what can I say? <laughs> yeah. Um, so as a limited player, you know we we had kind of talked before show uh, before the show. Uh, you know they're changing drafting, right? They're moving away from set boosters and draft boosters to play boosters. So mm-hmm. I was I did a little digging beforehand. By digging, I quickly Google pricing. So what's interesting. <laughs> So people who may not be aware, which, uh, you know, if, if depending on how much you don't you, know, you buy packs, um, I think I looked up the cost of a set booster. Uh, I, the Wild, Wildsville Drain set booster box was uh, $120 for 30 packs, so it works out to be about mm-hmm. $4 a pack. Uh, a draft booster box, which is 36 packs, was only $111, which works out to be about $3.08 a pack. So what they're doing is they're basically getting... So they went from having one pack to splitting it into two packs, set boosters and draft boosters. Now they're kind of going back to the one-pack model, um, trying to combine the two, but they're keeping it, at, I think, at the set booster price level. Yeah. So what almost works out to be... It's almost a, a 33% or a third price increase. So it's a dollar more a pack, but, you know, 33% is pretty... That's a pretty high price jump for anything. Um, mm-hmm. so like as someone who, who primarily is a drafter, like what are your thoughts on this kind of change? Like, did you like, did you, you know, you, so you played before they even had draft boosters. Like, what did you think of draft yeah. boosters? And like, how does this change? Like, how does it, how does that affect, how do you think that's going to affect drafting as a format? So with, with draft boosters, like if I'm just like buying magic cards, I'm like any other magic player where like I'm going to opt for set boosters mm-hmm. over draft boosters. Like if an LGS only has packs of draft boosters, then like sure I'll buy them. Um, but it, be, it clearly because I love drafting so much, then like I love draft boosters because it, you know, gives me my format that mm-hmm. I prefer. Um, and so I think that I, I, I think that with the price increase specifically, I'm personally not mad at it. Um, when you think about it as like with draft booster pricing, um, I've been to places that would do like my old LGS, uh, who, like I said earlier, they, they had shut down. Uh, one of the reasons they shut down was for financial reasons. Um, they would run drafts at only $12. Okay. Um, mm. Cheap really really cheap um and that's including like price support so like oh, wow. okay. the yeah so like you're you're also my dog is now in the frame oh no dogs are always welcome 
please. There's been plenty of dogs on this on this show. Don't worry. I uh, famously, just, and by famous oh. me, I mean I was there. I don't think a lot of people watch the show, but uh, Lexi, uh, Black Girl Mage, her dog jumped yeah. right on screen, joined us for the whole thing. It's yeah, we are pro dog on this uh, show, so. She she's just a very vocal one, as you can tell. I, I can tell. Hey, <laughs> do you wanna do you wanna go somewhere else for a little bit? <laughs> <laughs> can I can I be just like no right please back? please <laughs> okay okay and we're back. The dog is fed. Uh, you know it's very important to make sure your dog is fed. It's uh, I <laughs> will never not stop a show to make sure we take care of the dogs what's that what's your dog's name what's her name her name is tuna tuna <laughs> that's uh that's an adorable name <laughs> it, it it has a story it has a story if we want to hear that uh, you can't drop that could be for another time. nope you can't <laughs> drop a story about your dog named tuna and then expect me not to ask what the story is <laughs> it is a very short story Let's hear it. but uh she i got her as a puppy uh so okay there's a marina here and i was just like taking a walk around the marina suddenly this puppy runs up to me oh and then i'm just like oh you're so cute i pick her up and then this dude is like trailing like 15 20 feet behind comes up to me says hey i got more dogs in the back of my van me being me i'm just like all right cool let's go see uh (laughs) so i follow this van he opens the back of his van there are puppies oh so, like, my judgment wasn't totally awful. Um, <laughs> uh, gave the man $300 for her. And then over the next, like, few weeks, I was like, she really, like, she, you know how puppies have, like, puppy smell? Yeah. She did not have, like, normal puppy smell. Like, she actually smelled like fish. Oh. Okay. And okay. we took her to the vet. <laughs> Nothing was wrong with her. She was perfectly good, perfectly healthy. She just smelled like fish. Like, she just stank. And so her name ever since has just been Tuna. Because um, <laughs> she just All smelled. Right. Yeah. There's there's the little story. Also, a little mark against my judgment. <laughs> I mean, it's literally instead of like, hey, I have candy in the van as I have puppies. You're like, okay. We are lucky. It's like, yeah, yeah. sure. Yeah. <laughs> Was okay. So was the puppy that you picked up? Was that Tuna or was there it, a different? It was puppy? her, yeah. Okay, so it, like it she, was her. So it was she destined, chose me. Though. Yeah, she chose you. Yeah, that's okay. Well, exactly. That is adorable. <laughs> I'm glad that there were indeed puppies in the van and that you were not. Yes. Uh, kidnapped, so. <laughs> mm-hmm. Oh gosh. Nice. Oh my okay. goodness. <laughs> uh, anyways, uh, so we were talking about uh, the new play boosters, and you were kind of talking about your old LGS. Yes. Uh, cheap drafts, price support. Yeah, yeah, $12 you could get into the draft and that included like price support like it it was very 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 cheap. Mm-hmm. Um and uh again unfortunately they ended up closing down because of they couldn't sustain themselves financially. Mm-hmm. Um there are places where I'm currently living where like the drafts at my LGS are only like $15 currently. Other places will have them at like 20. And, like, you know, if I'm going to go for the cheaper option for a draft, again, all of these including, like, the price support, which is generally really amazing, yeah. um, like, I, I'm going to choose to go to the cheaper place, you know? Yeah. Um, especially because it was, like, a much smaller store. And, like, I love them. I love those people at that uh, at that store. Um, 
but I I really think that those stores, because a good amount of stores will price their current drafts, excuse me, at um, $20. Mm-hmm. I think that that's still like a sustainable cost that they can like do for this, this like dollar per pack price increase. Yeah. I, I think I think when you look at it, I think a twenty dollar draft, if some places are already doing it, I think it's like it's a normal thing. And I I don't think that fifteen dollar drafts are gonna be sustainable anymore. I understand that drafting limited as a as a whole is going to become more expensive. I can only assume that pre releases are also going to become more expensive because yeah. of it. Um and I mean, pre-releases are are most people's experience with the limited format. Yeah. So, I I understand that a lot of people do have issue with it becoming a more expensive thing. Um, I personally think that when you break down what you have in those boosters and you dissect the potential for the experiences that you're going to have with those boosters it is going to be a worthy cost and i actually don't think that many stores are actually going to have to up their draft cost it costs like at all mm-hmm. um like again if you're doing 20 dollars drafts then i think that that can stay like pretty pretty good especially when you're thinking like you don't have to buy and try to sell two different types of product so you're yeah. having like 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 there there's so much benefit for the stores in that aspect. Yeah. Um so so yeah, I think my overall opinion, I I honestly think that play boosters are a really good move. I think it's a great direction that they're going into and uh the way that they're basically they're they're making a set booster better but for no price difference. Yeah. In my opinion. Yeah. In my opinion making a set booster better. So yeah, it it'll be interesting to see how it all plays out. I think um, the the fact that they're de- decreasing it's only one skew, but like for a store having to stock both set and draft boosters is probably a little bit of a pain, especially when you have multiple sets out of a time. Um, and I guess in reality, you know, the, I think the numbers all pointed to that set boosters were just outselling draft boosters by a substantial margin. Yeah. So it was this almost might be a very clever way of kind of helping fix that situation so people can still draft, but also get, mm-hmm. get a booster that's kind of, you know, interesting for the non-draft player as well. So, um, you know, it'll be, it'll be interesting to see. I know when it was kind of first announced, a lot of people heralded it as the end of drafting, which, you know, magic players tend to be overly dramatic in general. Um, obviously a 33% in price is not nothing. Um, but hopefully it's something stuff is just getting more expensive. So if it is something that helps, you know, an LGS uh, maintain some uh, ability to continue to draft uh, host drafts for people, hopefully that it does end up being a, a kind of a good, a good move. Yeah. I, I really think that if people, I, I, I know that this is a very different thing, but if people just imagine it as like, you know, you're playing a draft for the cost of a set booster instead of just like, oh, d- draft costs are going up. Like, yeah. like y- you know, you already know that set boosters cost more. Yeah. And the price from a play booster to a set booster is going to be the exact same. So, um, and like, as far as we know, as it currently stands, they're going to be the exact same. Um, 
And so I really think that that people people think that it's just that it's a cost that's going up and not that your experience is also being elevated and what you can take home from that is being elevated. Like having list cards be part of draft, having like like you're you're getting more cards. Something that I truly hated about set boosters was um, connected cards, uh -huh. and so being able to have that like not be like a thing yeah. um, is awesome. <laughs> yeah, but yeah, booster fun was yeah. always an interesting concept, um, especially with the connected card thing. So yeah, I guess you know mm -hmm. we'll we will. I guess we will see how it goes, and uh, yeah, if, I. I would always like to advocate for like formats and just magic is in general being like financially accessible. And I know that certain formats you can make it so by like proxying things or like, you know, you can buy damaged versions of cards and play those or there, there are ways to do it. But with draft, there's no workaround yeah. for it to be at a different price. Like, unfortunately it's just going to be fixed and uh like for this change it's it's just it has to be that way some some places may make their drafts 25 dollars. who knows and that's in my opinion going to be a little much um especially all other things store related uh considered but but if you're drafting now for 20 dollars instead of 15 um I, I think I for again for the overall experience it might be better. This might revitalize drafting for all we know. Yeah. Um and the impact that it'll have on sealed too. Like Yeah. I think I think it'll be a really, really good thing. Yeah. It's definitely gonna be a wait and see. Um hopefully yeah. it plays out pretty well. I can't remember when they said let's see, they're gonna be launching them. Uh with Carl murders yeah. at Mark Kar Karlov. 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 I, I don't know why I always say Markov instead of Karlov. I <laughs> well, there's Ed, my brain there's just Edgar Mark Markov, yeah, and then there's I, right Karlov, <laughs> Karlov, uh, Karlov. Yes, there we go. Very similar. <laughs> my brain just yeah, but but it's, and also like murders. It, my brain wants to like alliterate it. Yes. So, yes. but murders at Karlov Manor, Manor. Man I think that's the set name. Uh, <laughs> yes that's, that that's the set that it's starting with yes, uh go. so um the only set that we have now in between then is going to be ravnica remastered yes this is this and is then we true. switch then we switch so very cool um so kind of in line with drafting and limited players uh you describe yourself um <clears throat> as a bulk goblin so uh what about bulk do you like <laughs> like what is it that you have amassed <laughs> over 200,000 cards uh the majority the majority of which uh are bulk <laughs> yeah yeah <laughs> i think i think something about it was just that i when I had a more manageable collection, mm. I was just like, oh my gosh, I want to like collect all these cards. And like, I, I had like the, the very optimistic collector mindset. Um, and my collection was like, even just a year ago, my collection was so much smaller. I could probably fit everything into like, uh, 
two five rows, like okay. only two five rows, and that's it. That's not bad. Um, yeah, very like it was manageable. Yeah. It was good. Um, and I loved organizing and just seeing what I had and like looking at the art, looking at the history, and there was something about it where there are some cards that are just kind of like forgotten or not cared about mm. that are considered bulk. Um, even dating all the way back from like the 1994. Yeah. Um, and like, I have bulk cards from 1994, which is absolutely crazy to me. Um, and it's something that I love the most is seeing like the way that magic has like evolved over time mm. with like, keywords being introduced or even some like um evergreen keywords before they were evergreen like yeah it, it was just such a such a cool thing and flavor text is one of those pieces to me that's like the most interesting and why i collect bulk and why i like having these cards because yeah. like it just tells a, a a behind the scenes story that i think a lot of people overlook um yeah. So it's it's just really cool. Uh, seeing the different artwork and the different flavor text is why I got into bulk. Um, and it's just <laughs> turned into this whole thing. Um, and suddenly people were like, well, I want to get rid of my bulk. And I'm just like, I'll take it. <laughs> and I open a P.O. box. I have I have I have like eight different uh, um large flat rate usps boxes in here oh, really? in my office right now which fill about five thousand cards it is 25 pounds of magic cards so 200 pounds of magic cards still in their shipping boxes and then i have like eight four rows two five rows and a ton of like thousand count boxes <laughs> <laughs> like there and all of this on my desk behind me too but like yeah, I just really got into it because it shows like the history of magic that I think not a lot of people really care about. Yeah. Well, it's funny because like for me, when I was like first starting to play, like one of the really sought after cards or cards I really liked using was Sarah Angel. And, you know, yeah. Sarah Angel was like flying and attacking does not cause Sarah Angel to tap. Right. But now it's just it's vigilance, like flying and vigilance. Like yeah. that's it, you know, <laughs> or, you know, like lifelink. I don't think you know, lifelink is a. Not a relatively newer keyword. Uh, now I really did it, but like lifelink was not always like a, not an original keyword, right? Lifelink used to be yeah. you know, when this character, you know, creature does damage, you can get that much life. Um, so I could, yeah, I could definitely understand seeing like the different versions, um, and like the lore. You know, as, would you consider yourself like a, a slight Vorthos? Like, does the lore, does the the story stuff kind of interest you in addition to the gameplay? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Like, I, I, there are only certain like mainstream kind of pieces of lore that I like am really versed in mm -hmm. uh when it comes to magic but overall in like almost anything that I consume I get really really deep into lore yeah and like we talked about this just a little bit before the show but like I've been starting to play WoW Classic again yeah. and that's <laughs> mainly because like I love the lore I love the world building and um it's like why Lord of the Rings is like my favorite series. And I have like an entire shelf on my bookcase dedicated to Tolkien's work. Yeah. It's like lore and the consumption of lore. It's just so, it's so cool. It's so interesting to me how intricate it can be and how everything is just like, like seeing 
all of the puzzle pieces mm -hmm. like come together through all of these different like arcs in magic story it's so cool even with like the most random of cards yeah but it really like i think when people look at card art they're just like oh this is cool like this looks awesome but yeah. they don't realize like like that the card art and i even really didn't have it click for me until kind of more recently when i got into like current lore mm. like when we had like march the machine i think is when it really like actively clicked in my brain yeah where it was like wow these are like if you were to take scenes from like a movie like this is this is what's happening and you can put these cards together in like the storyline yeah like these are individual moments of what's happening in the plot and it's it, it feels like i'm just collecting like single sentences of a giant novel yeah with every single card yeah i remember really experienced that when um war of the spark came out and there was yes. a lot of just like quotes it was really like it was in gideon had the black blade and he had his pegasus and he went to go fight nickel bolas and then the sword did work and he was falling and then like rakdos uh, caught him in the air but like seeing that event play out through cards was kind of like oh this is really cool like a way to like see the story kind of play out you know because you don't think about that like yeah there's like cards and deck building but there is a story behind most of you know all, most of these sets that kind of come out that they're yeah they're um illustrating through cards and gameplay so um and gosh you I mean as someone who's also very into tolkien like we could probably just have a whole podcast talking about Lord of the Rings and the Lord of the Rings set and just Lord of the Rings in general. But, uh, oh, that set was so good. It was like, I was amazed. I was surprised at how, just how good it was. Like I figured it would be pretty good, but like it exceeded any sort of expectations I had. So like it was, yeah, yeah, it was really nice. Um, well, so, you know, as someone who also likes to collect, I'm, you know, part of me, the fun is collecting and I like to do, I have like a binder. I have my special binder, right? So like, recently what I've been what I've been doing is um, speaking of I think March of the Machine. I've been collecting like the Planeswalker. There was the alt art anime version of the Planeswalker, the completed version, and then the art cards with the gold foil stamps. So what I like to do is yeah. like, if there's multiple versions of cards. I'll have like, here's a column with like all three in a row, and like I'll put you know I'll look at them and I'll be like, yes, I like I like seeing them all kind of next to each other, all the different. So like for me that feels you know. It fills a hole in my my soul to kind of see that kind of stuff. <laughs> um, when you um, have your collection, like, do you have like a like a sorting process or anything like what, with with so many cards? Like, do you have like a way you like to sort them or like just pro <laughs> you know what? How do you how do you handle all those cards? Yeah, I well the thing is that I procrastinate uh, <laughs> as much as I possibly can. That's step one. Yeah, uh, <laughs> just don't think about it don't touch them until you feel like you are drowning which i have been for months um, so this is gonna be a pain to move uh <laughs> i can imagine but um yeah uh at least it's all in boxes it's okay true it's okay um i i say all as if this doesn't exist behind me <laughs> so we're just gonna we're just gonna like <laughs> um <laughs> so the cameras no <laughs> we're just gonna oh wait there's more over there uh 
There's anywhere you look in this office, there's just going to be like cards that are just my floor is covered in car. It's bad. No. Um, thankful that my dog understands boundaries and doesn't step on them. That's good. Um, but but yeah, once you once you make it past step one, which is the procrastination stage, uh, <laughs> my main thing is I like to um, I, I just kind of grab like a box and I'll start like a box that I know is not organized yet. And I start going through I have like all of this space on my desk mm-hmm. and I organize things by set as my number one thing is I organize by set Um and then uh, that's a very, very lengthy process, but it is very cool seeing like the different set symbols and like having it click with the cards being like, oh, that makes sense why it's designed like this. Yeah. Um, so once you sort by set, um, I go through each set individually and I will organize those cards by color. Naturally. And then... Uh, typically I take out the rares. I like to keep all rares and mythics in binders as with, um, uh, all art show showcase art, um, foils. I keep one of each foil. So like, I'm not as much of like a foil goblin. Yeah. Um, so like all, all things like that will go into binders. Uh, the only things that go into boxes are going to be commons and uncommons. Um, but uh, with, when I sort it out by color and I separate, you know, the rares, mythics, uh, showcase, whatever, um, I then sort it by collector number. Okay. Um, which has gotten increasingly difficult within the past few sets when you have sets like March the Machine where it's like, oh, this should be like, th- this, is, this is a colorless card or like it's, it's mana cost is colorless like it is it is an artifact card goes to the very end yeah but then it has that little little blip that's just like hey you can like pay a white for this and so it just goes it apparently goes in with the rest of the white cards uh as with all colors um and then they also took out the um uh before before march of the machine i believe the last set to do it was all will be one they had the out of collector number Yes. And so it was like you had the number and then it oh, was out yeah. of how many are in the set. Yeah. And then like there would be some cards that only had that number if they were like out of that. that you knew that they were showcase or altar. Like you would you could tell because they didn't have the the second number. But as a March of the Machine, they fully took that out. So every single card is just like zero zero one. That's it. No zero zero one out of like three hundred and fifty seven. Like you don't have that anymore. Yeah. Um, so it's become a little difficult. But, um, so, so collector number is step three. That's true. Yeah. That's step three. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> and then, uh, oh wait. Yeah. Yeah. Hold on. My brain. I confused myself a little bit. <laughs> set color collector number. Yeah. Yeah. Set color collector number. Yeah. That, that's easy enough. Yeah. Um, there's typically a couple like, like two A, two B kind of steps yeah, that are yeah. in there. Of course. Um, but overall, it is it is organized by collector number, rares, mythics, foils, showcase, alt art. All of that goes into binders. Also sorted by collector number. Okay. <laughs> but within their respective categories. 
it's a lot. It, <laughs> it is. is a very lengthy process. It is. Um, do you find it relaxing though? Like when you sit down, you're, yeah. yeah. It reminds me a lot of um, my uh, my wife used to do the adult coloring books for a while, and it was just a very kind of way to like kind of zone out, focus on something that's unimportant, but like exactly, you know, really clear your mind of a lot of. Uh, stuff that's kind of going on do you, is, it, is it like a, almost like a zen experience for you as you kind of lay this stuff out and as you kind of do things yeah like i can fully zone out and just go into like autopilot like i've done streams where i sort bulk and you can see like how fat i'm like a dealer at like vegas like sorting cards just like with how fast i can like yeah sort them by like the color or by the set or anything you know um it's a very very relaxing experience for me and that's why that's one of the draws to like the whole bulk thing for me is that i like organizing it yeah very even though it's not organized at all right now (laughs) (laughs) that's funny it's okay it's okay there is one final fourth step which is then putting everything into an online database because i'm purely curious about how much uh money everything is worth yeah um primarily because i would like to eventually insure my collection and okay. i don't even know how much money this would be <laughs> so do you have uh, do you have the database already started is that something you've been logging mm. as you okay yeah i i typically log um once i feel like i've uh currently i've only been logging if i feel like i've completed a set uh-huh. So one of the sets that I have completed has been March of the Machine. Like, that's my very first logged full complete set. Um, but once I get moved and I start, like, redoing things yeah. and re-logging things, um, I'm going to be doing it more as I go yeah. and at, like, a lot slower pace so that it's easier when I'm doing it in, like, the chunks that I am because it's, like, well, there could be March of the Machine here, there could be March of the Machine there, and it's, like, well, how will I know, yeah. you know? So... It's, it's just easier to do it as I go, uh, I realized, but I realized that a little bit late. Yeah. It's, I mean, so. learning process, right? Like, if you've never done it before, like, you just got to kind of work out a yeah. system that works for you. So, that makes sense. Mm-hmm. Well, I wish you the best endeavors on cataloging all that bulk. Uh, I'll be, I'll be curious <sighs> yeah. to see what it looks like when you, I don't know if you're, you will ever will be done, but when you kind of get through, hopefully, a good chunk of it to kind of see where you're at. Yeah. <laughs> it's it's gonna be it's gonna be a lot knowing that it probably takes me a good like six hours to get through like not even a lot of cards like probably a thousand cards in six hours like oh, wow. yeah hardly anything yeah um but that was also like when i was streaming it so could be totally different when i'm just like working on it totally zoned in so yeah very cool so uh outside of uh bulk goblin uh you've also kind of i think uh dipped into being a little bit of a cosplayer um i know at the most recent magic con in vegas you were um one of the uh, tasa karlov secret lair outfits looks uh yeah it was the city styles city styles yeah city styles secret lair yeah um my very first attempt on cosplay and it was very overwhelming. <laughs> uh I think it turned out pretty decent for our first for our first try. Yeah, I um, thought you looked good. Um 
So, well, okay. So first time, um, what was, what inspired you? Like, what was like, I'm going to, you know, what, what inspired you to kind of start a cosplay or what was the inspiration to like, try to like nail that look? Um, I've been wanting to cosplay for years. Like I've just always been interested in it and I know how to sew. I know how to craft. Um, I, I, I was working on doing like D and D minis and like terrain and stuff like that for a while. So I was like, what if I start working on like actual cosplays? Um, and I knew that I wanted to cosplay Tessa. I didn't know when I wanted to do it. Suddenly the city styles one came up and some people were like, Hey, you like kind of look like Tessa. And I was like, I'm going to take this and run because that is the coolest compliment ever. Um, and so I did it. I tried <laughs> yep. put a lot of hours into that godforsaken coat. Oh yeah, the coat, <laughs> the I'll, fur coat. I'll uh, I'll pop up the, uh, the the picture of the car. But uh, yeah, I thought you looked great. I know there was a whole kind of uh, crew of secret lair cosplayers from where they all. And I probably should have asked this after taking the photo, but were they were you all the cityscape characters? Was that the same secret lair, um, or is it? It was kind of a combination so had, of things. We had everybody. So it was uh, Z was uh, Massacre Girl from City Styles. Mm-hmm. Uh, Peachy Pops was Paradise Mantle from City Styles. Um, uh, Ryan uh, was, is it Sakashima? Was that yes, the card? Sakash- that's correct. Yes, yeah. was Sakashima in City Styles. And I was Tessa Karlov. And then... Um, uh, Zbex was actually not from City Styles, right. but was doing the other. Um, it, I forget the name of it, but it was another one of those like streetwear style kind of like secret layers. It was the Rebecca. For, um, the Rebecca for Sarah. Yeah, it was this, it was the Rebecca Gay. Rebecca Gay. Sarah, that's right. I remember. Yeah, Because yeah. that was I bought that secret layer because I'm a big fan of Rebecca's uh, Rebecca's work and. We yes. were only missing one character from the City Styles, which was. Um, uh, I do not remember her name. Azusa or Azusa? Azusa I forget yeah. how to... Lost but Seeking. Azusa? I think it's Azusa. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, that's right. I, I get it mixed up, yeah. <laughs> but yeah. So, there's almost so. like there's every combination of names that, with how many characters have been made, uh, creatures yeah. have been made. So, <laughs> um, yeah, you guys look great. I, again, I have a photo, so I will pop that photo up as well so everyone can kind of see your cosplays. Ah. Um, so that was kind of <laughs> cool. I got to take a, uh, take a photo of that. So... Uh, so other than the 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 coat being a a pain, like did you enjoy? It? Like, would you? Are there other cosplays on your on your radar for the future? Yeah, yeah, I really really enjoyed it, and like it was a huge learning experience of like what I can do to like do certain things better. I would love to redo the Tessa Karlov cosplay. Mm-hmm. Um, I like uh, specifically redo the City Styles one, like update it, make it a little bit more like accurate. Um, cause there were some things that I missed or like didn't finish. Yeah. Um, I want to cosplay Tessa just like as is specifically, I think it's the, um, Envoy of Ghosts. I think that uh, rather known as boob window Tessa. Yes. <laughs> uh, <laughs> so I want to cosplay that one. Um, and then I think, uh, actually the most like recent one that I've started has been Shadow Heart. Oh. Baldur's Gate. Okay. Yeah. i love shadow heart um specifically her i don't know how her stuff changes in like the other acts because i haven't made it past act one i've been 
I burned myself out and I haven't touched it since it came out. Understandable. Um, but uh, uh, her act one uh, camp like outfit where it's just the very like simple vest and like pants. Uh-huh. Um, so I'm going to be working on that. Super cool. I just bought like nine yards of faux leather <laughs> fabric to try to make it. So. There you go. You got the bug. Um, is there, so now that you've done some cosplaying and you're working, is there for any uh, potential cosplayers that there, are there any things you wish you knew before you started or any like tips? Um. Oh, that's a really good question. I think that the a lot of people ask like how just generally how do I get started in a cosplay? Mm-hmm. And it's such a hard question to answer because it's like, well, what do you want to cosplay? Yeah. Like, do you want to cosplay someone with armor or do you want to cosplay someone that's like just wearing like normal clothes, which like if you can fully purchase like the outfit, it's literally just called a co- like closet cosplay. Yeah. Um I think something that I wish I was a little bit better at when I first started was just learning how to do like learning how to research very specific things, like knowing what to research. Um, where it's like, well, I'm trying to find a shirt that looks like this. How do I search for that? Um, so I think that that's like my biggest thing is just like, just try like, Google is your number one resource in just trying to figure out anything. And like, you're going to make mistakes and stuff. Like when I made Tessa's cane, um, I, I think that the cane turned out fantastic. It was a really fun project. I used, uh, a cane that already had like a skull on it. And then I used like modeling clay, uh, or like air dry clay to wrap around to make that like coil. And then I painted it. Um, but I wish that there were like certain other things that I did. Like it's a really heavy cane and also it's really fragile. So maybe if I decided to use like, like foam or warbler or like other things like that, but, but you work with what is like accessible and it's okay to do that. You don't have to spend a ton of money on warbler. You don't have to like do all of that. Like the, the, so those are the top two things. (laughs) There you go. I know I say a lot of stuff. Those are the top two things. Learn how to Google stuff and like learn how to ask the right questions, very specific questions. And it is okay to, there, there's no right way to do it. It is okay to use whatever materials work. Yeah. There's no correct answer for it. There you go. I guess it's a pretty good advice for, for people trying to get into it. Cause sometimes yeah. the hardest part for people is just, is starting, right? Um, yeah. They're worried about, oh, what if I don't look 100% accurate with this? But yeah, just, you know, just go for it and have fun with it, right? As long as you have key parts of it, people will be able to tell who you are. Exactly. I mean, like, I was worried about how I looked in my Tesa cosplay, and I was like, you know, at least I'm in Vegas, and this kind of looks like <laughs> normal play, yeah. Vegas attire. You blend right in. <laughs> people wouldn't even realize you're, you're cosplaying. Walk down uh, you know, Vegas Boulevard next Walk to... Walk down the strip. Yep, like, yeah. the strip. And, oh, my gosh. That's funny. <laughs> Um, so next, you've been awesome. I, I would even miss though, if I didn't, um, bring up the uh, birds of paradise. Uh, so you are a bird. I've had a few birds on before. Mm-hmm. So I just wanted you to give you the opportunity to maybe kind of talk about the birds and like kind of what their goals are and what you, you know, what you, what you all kind of do and all that kind of good stuff. 
Yeah, I mean, the birds have been so incredible to me so far. Like, it, it's just been a really, really good experience. And, you know, unfortunately, I haven't been, like, as checked in recently. I, I've been dealing with some really uh, bad health problems over the past couple months. And so I haven't been, um, I, I, I've been trying to, like, like, do my thing online and still, like, try to keep up. Unfortunately, it's just been a little checked out from birds, but knowing how supportive everyone has been of me still and like they they're they're still so warm and like welcoming despite the fact that I've had to like be a little distant has been incredible um uh, like very huge shout out to Bobby like Bobby is one of the sweetest most incredible people I've ever met um and I'm so thankful to like call her my friend mm -hmm. and thankful that she invited me to be part of birds um so it's just like wanting that that inclusivity and and being able to like being able to give a a safe space for people who are part of any minority group you know um it, it all like the 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 morals and goals of Bob, like it, it truly speaks to like my experience in, in not just magic, but in the gaming world in general, you know, yep. growing up and feeling very, um, almost like ostracized for like my interests yeah. because it's like, I, I was a very, I, I mean, I still am a very tomboyish person. Like I, was always like very much bullied for my interests and I grew up being part of like gaming industries and things like that where I didn't have the best opportunities because of like who I am and being able to be part of a group that that embraces that part of you specifically I'm getting a little teary-eyed right now no, it's okay it, but embraces yeah. that part of you specifically is really really awesome and it's so cool especially in like a world where there's just like it, 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 everything's becoming so chronically online and people are able to hide behind a screen and spew so much hate and so it's awesome to feel like there is a safe space with birds and it's it, I, I couldn't be more thankful for that group. Yeah, you know, I talk a lot, I like to talk a lot <sighs> about community on this show, uh, the importance of community and the importance of cultivating, cultivating our community. Uh, Bobby, uh, Bobby Christine has been on the show. She's fantastic, uh, and you know I think I think the goals, uh, the the goals of Birds is to, to provide a space for people to come and feel welcomed and included, and to be able to sit down and play games and not to worry about, um, you know, feeling in danger or scared. Um, I think those are kind of the groups that um, are very important for a lot of you know uh, spaces that can be be a little hard to navigate if you are you know not just like a straight white male right that's there's a heavily dominant spaces so um you know i i i think the goal of the birds i think you're you know you're a fantastic person it's good to see you being a part of that group and um seeing what what they're out there trying to do and i i just you know anytime i can I like I've, I've had a few birds on i just think you're all fantastic i think the group's great i just hope you guys uh, continue you. uh you know doing doing uh Doing the good work that you're doing now that I've now that we've got you crying, it's good tears, happy you know, <laughs> emotional tears. It was, uh, it, um, it's just great, like you know, magic. It, 
I, I'll be very blunt with it. Like magic saved my life. Like this has been the, the thing that's really kept me grounded no matter what has been like shaken up yep. in my life. Like any, any like really toxic stuff happening or like anything real world, like magic has been like the place that I can escape. And it's great that there's a dedicated environment that's being cultivated to keep it that way for people and to embrace that for people instead of like when you get into a game and with like randoms and an opponent wants to like attack you or do something just because of something that's not even game related yeah like it's just about who you are or something like being attacked for your identity in a in a game in a card game (laughs) yeah and so having that like having that guaranteed place where it's like this this is this is okay like we're we're okay we have each other's backs and like nothing's gonna stop that um bop is incredible if if anybody viewing for whatever reason doesn't know about birds paradise um they they are seriously such a fantastic community um and and again bobby oh my god (laughs) like Bobby's the best. I I couldn't imagine I couldn't imagine a more perfect person to be in charge of that. Yeah, and and obviously like Katie and Jordan, like everybody that's part of Bob, like they're such amazing names. <laughs> I I I'm just so thankful for yep. that community. Yep. Yes, uh, magic. You know, magic is for everyone, and groups like Birds, I think, kind of help remind us that is that is the truth and the game in our community yeah. that it is for everyone and everyone should feel welcome and safe to come and come and sit at the table and play along. So, um, so I, you know, didn't mean to end it on such a emotional note, but <laughs> you know, next again, thank, okay. thank you. Thank you so much for sitting down with me today. Um, it's been fantastic. Um, uh, so, uh, what I like to do when I have, when I have guests on, um, I let, we, uh, I have them pick a charity of their charity of their choosing, uh, and we make a small donation too. So you chose extra life. Uh, mm-hmm. So the uh, show and tell show will be making a donation to Extra Life as just like a small thanks for to, you know thank you for coming on. Um, thank you so much for having me. No, it's been it's been my pleasure. It's and it's honestly it's great. You know, like I said, I met you I guess a year plus ago in per. You know, th- you know you, you kind of like follow people on Twitter and you kind of see their careers or how they kind of uh, and you're, and it's just kind of great seeing you uh, thriving and doing so well and just you know I you, know you got a move coming up so it's just great seeing people. Uh, succeed in life, which is which is which is really cool. So, um, also, what I like to do, and I do talk a lot about community. So, what I'm going to do right now is I'm going to pop on my community board. I'm just going like this, and uh, I, uh, what I like to do is to kind of be able to support my guests even after the show is over. Um, I know you have a, a co- I never know how to say it, coffee, Kofi. So, Kofi, uh, uh, Kofi. I, 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 I googled it beforehand. And it's supposed to sound like no fee. So, Kofi. I think Kofi. It might be Kofi. Kofi. Whatever it's yeah. called. <laughs> I don't know. I, I am not known for my pronounce. You know, not known for <laughs> pronounce things. So, anyways, uh, uh, I'm gonna uh, gonna get to subscribe to the the cough co- See, I already lost it. Kofi. I used no, to call it coffee, coffee all the time because I thought that's what their gimmick was. Yeah, it feels so, like so. whatever know. it's called. I'm just going to subscribe, so that it's way, fine. yeah, so that way, um, <laughs> my show can we can continue to support you, uh, even after the show's Thank done. You. It's just you know, it's not a lot, but you know, 
even if it is a coffee a, a month or a week or whatever, just some little way that we can kind of, I can continue to support you and all the good kind of good things you're doing out after, after the show is done and, and going, you're out there, uh, sorting through hundreds of thousands of common and uncommon uh, magic cards. So, um, it's a lot. <laughs> yeah. So, uh, yeah, again, Nexi, thank you so much for sitting down with me. I had a great time talking with you. Uh, I will, like I said, if you're interested, if you, uh, I will link all your socials below. I'll link the birds. Um, if you want me to put your PO, I don't know if you still have a PO box for people to send you bulk. We can talk uh, about that. I don't know. If, I'm going to be moving. Yeah, we'll, so. <laughs> we'll hold off on that for now. Uh, yeah. But uh, yeah, find um, find Nexi on uh, Twitch. Find her on Twitter or X or whatever your social uh, media. It's Twitter. Twitter, yeah. <laughs> of choice. So we'll, we'll link all that below. Uh, and yeah, if you like uh, this show, feel free to like and subscribe. Uh Power Dragon has kind of been like tell people to you know do that kind of stuff. So I'm this is going to be my call to action is if you like what you're hearing, if you like what you're seeing, feel free to hit that subscribe button. It's fun. I like doing it. I like having cool people on. Do it. Uh, <laughs> do it. Next, next he said, do it. Just do it. Just do it. So um, the bulk goblin tells you to do it. You do it. The bulk <laughs> goblin compels you. I can't. You can't argue with that. So. Uh, <laughs> Nexi, I hope you uh, thank you again so much for coming on. Uh, please give Tuna all the scratches for me because you know <laughs> I'm sure she deserves it. And uh, we'll catch everyone next time. Thank you. Bye. <laughs>